What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst over at Sports Ethos. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You never miss any of these shows that go out Monday through Friday, any of the threads that I do seven days a week, or any of the other fantasy baseball content that I put out. It all goes on to Twitter, so if you are following there, you will get access to everything that I do. And, of course, there is no charge. Everything that I do is free. There's no paywall. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. Tons of resources that you guys can use to help you win your leagues. I hope that you hit the follow button also because we're closing in on 1,000. I'd like to hit it before the end of June. Need 40 or so more followers. So go ahead and uh, let's let's get that done, guys. If you do enjoy the show, if you have been listening for some time, or maybe you're new to the show but you're enjoying it, please do hit the five-star button. I'd really appreciate that. It does help us grow here in the early going. I think we have maybe 25 or so reviews between Canada and the U.S., which is pretty good. I'd like to see that number continue to grow and grow even more. So I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show. We had Kev Masarajan on from the game day and from Fox. He contributes to a few different places. Roto Baller as well. We had a great chat about bullpens. Mostly, anyway, we talked a little bit of Walker Bueller. We talked about Jesus Sanchez a little bit. But we mainly focused on the bullpen situations for the Dodgers with Craig Kimbrell and his shaky play. We looked at the Rays with the Andrew Kittredge injury, and then we looked at that mess that is going on in Boston in terms of their relief pitcher situation. So go ahead and check out yesterday's show. We had a nice chat over about a half hour. Really some informative stuff uh, from Kev there as well. So go ahead and check it out. Today we're going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top-performing players. We're going to be looking ahead to a couple of today's matchups that are interesting to me, and then we will go through the waiver wire. A couple other random little bits of stuff we'll get in uh, here and there. But those will be the main parts of our show. There will be actually, I'll go over uh, called strikes plus whiffs leaders from yesterday and talk about some some things that are definitely piquing my interest in terms of those numbers. I did a little thread on Twitter this morning talking about a couple of the names that stood out there, Trevor Rogers and Jose Urquidy, uh, to name a couple, and a few more, Tyler Molly. We're going to get to that thread in a minute here. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with yesterday's top performing players, and I think Tyler Molly takes the cake from yesterday. He threw nine innings. Yes, it was not a complete game, nine-inning game, because it went to, I think, 12 innings. He threw shutout ball for that time. He struck out 12. He only gave up three hits, and he scored 48.3 fantasy points on Yahoo. If you got that, uh, you're looking pretty solid for your week. I have him in... A couple of leagues, they are category leagues, but I'll still take that production. Uh, Over the last couple of starts, we've really seen him turn it around here. And I'm hoping, like I've said uh, many times on this show before, I'm hoping for a trade out of Cincinnati and Great American because when he's on the road, like he showed us yesterday, uh, he can give us some dominant outings. Not that it's necessarily that cut and dry. He's good on the road. He's bad at home. But if you do look at his home and away splits, he tends to be a lot better away from Great American Ballpark. So, We're thinking, uh, most people are thinking that he's going to be traded at some point during the season. The Reds are not fighting for anything. They have already gutted that roster. I don't think they have much to gain by keeping him other than, you know, how old is Tyler Molly? He's only 27, actually. He's younger than I thought he was. But I don't think that they're going to be really looking to keep him. They might try and build a little bit around, I guess, him and India and Stevenson, I guess. It's... I'm not really sure. Like Between him and Luis Castillo, they're probably both going to be getting the hell out of town. So I would think that their values would increase should they get traded. If they don't, then it'd probably be fine. Uh, we've seen Molly start to settle down here over the last month or so. 
but I would definitely prefer a trade out of Cincinnati if we're talking about Molly. He has been really solid in three of the last four outings, and he's reached double-digit strikeouts in two of them, uh, 10 and 12, both against Arizona. But uh, read into that what you will, it's Arizona. But he's, I don't know, I really like Tyler Molly. I don't think that he gets enough credit because of the whole... Uh, because of the whole Cincinnati thing. There's a few outings this season that have really killed him. There was the Cubs outing where he let in eight earned runs, and then a Dodgers outing where he let in seven. He seems to have turned a corner from those early season struggles, and I would be trying to acquire him if he is available in your leagues. I don't think that he'll be too pricey. He'll be a little bit pricier than he would have been maybe a few weeks ago. But on the whole, there's a lot of people, and I've said this before on the show many times, there's a lot of people who just look at the plain surface numbers, the standard statistics, if you will, and they don't really do any digging. And if you don't do too much digging, I mean, the numbers are not great. This ERA is still 446 if you're just one of those people. And, you know, the, another thing that I've said a lot on the show, there's so many different personalities and different types of leagues, and it's really hard to gauge value. Uh, when You know, you guys will send me trade questions and say, should I trade – player A for player B, and I'll say, yeah, or no, but it really depends on who you guys play with. If you're playing with friends, if you're playing with strangers, there's a lot of different factors that go into whether or not your trade offers will be accepted. I'm in a couple of public leagues because when I first started this whole venture of podcasting, I wanted to be in as many leagues as possible, which got a little bit overwhelming. So I did a couple of free leagues at the beginning of, well, not the beginning, it was probably like March or so, February. And I did a bunch of drafts that are just public leagues, just so I could have, you know, a different formats, different, a roto league, a, a couple of points leagues with different formats, a couple of category leagues, one of them with OPS, or sorry, with OBP. I wanted to just do a bunch of different formats, but I don't know the people in those leagues because they're public leagues. There are leagues that I play with my friends, which are a lot easier to get deals done because I know them. I can send them a text message and I can talk to them a little bit and say, hey, uh, X, Y, and Z. Now, they think I'm bullshitting this year if I try to trade them anything because of this whole quote-unquote analyst gig. They think that I'm spending a lot of time on baseball, and they think that I'm just going to try and, and, and bullshit them pretty much. So I'm not really getting many deals done anywhere, but if you are in a league with your friends, you can actually you know have a bit of a dialogue where if you're in a public league or you don't really know the people as well, it's kind of hard to engage in those kinds of conversations. All of this is to say that it's very hard to gauge trade value when you're talking people that you don't know. So you guys on Twitter, I feel like I know you, but I still don't know you guys yet, or I don't think I really truly ever will because of the distances between us. It's hard to say what will be accepted and what will not be accepted in your league. So if you know the manager who asked Tyler Molly and they're not a big Tyler Molly person, throw a, a borderline low ball offer at him. Maybe not like, like a, a horrible, like offensively low offer, but – I don't think it's going to take a lot, really, to pry him away from most people, unless they've been really sold by these last couple of outings or they really like to dig into advanced metrics and splits and things like that, like us kind of crazy people like me who spend hours and hours on it every day. I don't think there's a lot of people like that. There might be a few, but I think most people have a lot better things to do than look at fantasy baseball all day. I don't, and you guys don't, so that's why we're here doing this together. But I think you have an opportunity to really get in before there's full, full hype. Because a couple of good outings is definitely enough to put you on the radar. But I think people are aware it's against Arizona. I don't know that if he had done this like against the Dodgers or something, I think, okay, people would really be taking notice. But it's against Arizona. It's still gotten some press today. But it's not going to be so hard to acquire him, I don't think. Just to like finish that thought off, if you are in one of those public leagues – 
and you don't know the people who you're trading with, you should probably try and send like a comment when you send your trade offer because most places uh, you can send like a little note below your offer and just say, hey, uh, I'm looking for this, want to get rid of that, I have a surplus of steals, I'm looking for strikeouts, whatever. Uh, if you send a little message under your trade, the odds of you getting accepted go up like exponentially. So something to keep in mind there if you are looking to deal Mali or to acquire him. I would be looking to acquire him uh, in pretty much every case, unless unless the one rare case here maybe, if you know somebody who's like, oh my God, I, Tyler Molly, these last couple outings, just ridiculous. You know, I want him. I want him badly. And if you know, and again, it comes down to how well you know your league mates. If there is someone like that, then you can take advantage of their love of him a little bit or their maybe just uh, tunneling in on these last couple of outings, then maybe you can take advantage and you can sell him. For the most part, though, I'm going to be trying to buy him. Uh, let's, let's move on. That's a lot of time on Tyler Molly. Let's talk about Paul Goldschmidt, who, Jesus, guys, yesterday... Over So they played two games yesterday. There was the first, uh, I was against Pittsburgh. The first game, he went two for four. He had a home run, uh, knocked in three. Second game, he was four for five. He had two home runs, scored three times, and drove in five. He had eight RBIs and three home runs yesterday. Four runs, six hits. Uh, unbelievable. I'm actually going to check and see if he has taken over uh, for Aaron Judge as the number one ranked fantasy player. Da, da, da. He's number two. He is number two still, but the numbers on the season for Goldschmidt, he is batting 349 for the season. Yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, Goldschmidt is batting 349. He has 56 RBIs. We are a third of the way into the season, just over a third of the way into the season. Uh, we have seen some crazy numbers this year, but Paul Goldschmidt, I mean, damn. Like, he has the second highest batting average in all of baseball. Uh, Luis Arise is number one, a few ticks above at 354. But when you look at what Goldschmidt has been able to do, he leads the National League uh, in batting average. He leads the National League in hits. He's second in runs batted in. Uh, in terms of home runs, he is tied for third. Like, he is he's crazy. Third in runs scored. And he's actually still able to steal a couple of bags. He has three steals. Now, he's not the, the Paul Goldschmidt we knew in Arizona who was like a 30-30 kind of threat. But, damn, like, he is just so impressive, guys. Uh, I... Just fawning over his uh, his stats here, his recent stats. Like over the last week, he's the number three ranked player. The last two weeks, he's the number two ranked player. And the last month, he is the number one ranked player. He is absurd. Now, is he going to steal 32 bases again like he did in Arizona or 20 or 18? No, he's not going to do that. But he should, should still be able to get you about 10 steals. The way he's going, 35 home runs seems very possible. We haven't seen 35 home runs from him since 2017, but I think it's possible. Uh, the 100 RBIs looks like it's going to be coming. Uh, this is just a, a me fawning over him for a little bit because there's no fantasy move to be made here, obviously. You're not going to be able to trade him. You're not going to want to trade him. Uh, not going to be able to. Of course you'd be able to. You're not going to want to. If someone is trying to acquire him from you, I would ask for their firstborn child and probably uh, cash assets as well. No, In all seriousness, if someone wants to buy Paul Goldschmidt off of you, let's say a St. Louis fan or whatever, like there's no price. Like if they want to give you Aaron Judge, eh, probably, sure. But there's pretty much no price unless they're throwing you so many different assets there that it's just impossible to say no. Uh, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting rid of him. The one thing that's maybe going to come down a little bit, and it will come down a little bit, his batting average on balls in play is 389. It's a little bit higher than what you can expect. His career number is actually 348, which is still stupidly high. 
Uh, batting average on balls in play is, uh, depending on the hitter, right? If you're talking about a 200 hitter, typically you're going to be looking at about 50, 60 points above the batting average for the BABIP. So, I mean, the 389 number will come down. The fact that it's 348 for the career, obviously, uh, it takes away some worry there. But he's not going to hit 350 the whole year, I don't think. He's a 295 career hitter who is 34 years old. Granted, he's still ridiculous, but he is 34 years old. Uh, we will probably start to see some kind of slowing down, I would imagine, throughout the season. Uh, it's just what naturally tends to happen. I know he is, like, scorching hot right now. Uh, obviously, he will slow down from where he is at this point. Do I think he'll be a first-round fantasy player by the end of the season? If I had to say today, I'd say probably not, but I think he'll be like a top 15 kind of player still. I just think when the batting average is that high, it's 350. It's not going to stay that high forever. The highest batting average we've ever seen from Paul Goldschmidt was 321, and it was seven years ago. So we have to keep our expectations in check a little bit, but at the same time, uh, he is he is nasty. He is he is completely nasty. Uh, next guy we are going to be talking about a little bit is Reese Hoskins. Now Reese also hit a couple of home runs yesterday. Uh, it was four. He was four for five with a single, a double, two homers, two runs, and six RBIs. He is still an elite player. Uh, well, I mean, still he's like twenty nine years old. He's just kind of been up and down in terms of where I've seen him for fantasy these last couple of seasons. Last year he was fine, but I just don't – I think he was maybe a little bit overhyped, you know, 27 home runs, 71 ribbies. It's fine. But I think that, you know, like yeah, he just – like I said, a little bit overhyped in terms of where we see him. Uh, he has been like a top 100 fantasy player this season, but he's never been one to hit for a high average. He's not going to steal you many bases. Uh, his His fantasy value comes from the home runs. And if he's not hitting home runs, then you're a little bit you're a little bit screwed. Now he has been recently. Uh, he is the number one ranked player over the last week with five home runs, eleven RBIs. He's thirteen for twenty nine. But I mean, career wise, uh, batting average for him is two forty two. He's around that number for this season, and you have to expect it'll continue around there. Like I said, he's not going to really steal. I'm not a big Reese Hoskins guy. He's only eligible at first. I like to have someone who's a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, a little bit more malleable, I guess I could say, in the lineup. So I honestly would probably be trying to take advantage of this hot run and try and acquire someone else. Like I'd be trying to aim for maybe like a Thai France type, someone who you, you're not going to be, you know, screwing over the person you're trading with necessarily, but you're going to be getting someone who is also eligible at first, but he gets second and third. Uh, he hits for a higher batting average. If you can try and work out some kind of deal like that, just based on this hot streak that we've seen from Hoskins, because he is, like I said, the number one ranked player this last week, I would try and work out something there. Not that I don't like him. He's in a very solid lineup, and he is a good piece of that lineup, but I don't think that I don't think we can expect like great, great heights like we saw from him uh, a couple of years ago anyway, 35 home runs, 100 RBIs. I don't think we're going to see that. I could be wrong, but I just I just don't see him getting there uh, again. Let's talk about Luke Voigt. And now all of that is not to say that I don't like Reese Hoskins. I do like Reese Hoskins, but uh, he just worries me. Uh, there's something about him, there's something about that team that just generally, I don't know, they kind of worry me. Uh, let's, let's move on, though, Luke Voigt. So over the last two weeks, Voigt is the 75th ranked player. That's pretty damn solid for someone who's only rostered 34% of leagues. He's 15 for 61 in that time. He has 23 runs plus RBIs, 7 runs, 16 RBIs, and he's hit 4 home runs. I mean, 
when we talked uh, way before the season with Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ, go hit him up on Twitter, by the way, Ryan BHQ. He is a great follow. He talked about Luke Voigt, and I, I mentioned it as well. I think we both kind of went in uh, without really planning on talking about it, but we both thought Luke Voigt had a good chance to win the National League home run title. Just, I know, new situation, uh, the fact that there's the DH and the NL this year, so he wouldn't be sitting as much. There's more opportunities to get him into games. Fresh start, blah, blah, blah. We both thought that there was a good chance he was going to lead the National League in home runs. Now, he started off very slowly. He wasn't much of an asset there for the first six weeks or so. I don't even think he had a home run until, like, middle of May or early May or something like that. Now he started to turn it around a little bit. And when he gets hot, we saw it in the pandemic-shortened 2020 season. He hit 20 home runs or 22 home runs in 60 games. He is more than capable of having like a 30 home run kind of season. Uh, the question is, will he get enough playing time? And I think that he will. So I'm, I'm all for adding Luke Voigt in the leagues where you do have uh, a chance to add him. He's only rostered in 34% of Yahoo leagues. He's kind of an afterthought. Now he only is eligible at first base, which does, it is a bit of a drag. Like I just said with Reese Hoskins, but uh, I think with Voigt, the power, the pure power and the fact that he's so widely available is what leads me to kind of even lean his way over Hoskins. I know Hoskins will probably end up with a higher ranking rest of the season, but considering what you'd have to pay for Hoskins versus what you could get Voigt for right now, which is pretty much like a waiver claim, uh, that's, that's it in a lot of leagues. You just have to put in a waiver claim or maybe throw a few fab dollars at him, depending on your format. But with, if you wanted, like, just to compare him to Hoskins one more time, if you wanted to go out and get Hoskins right now, like I said, he's the number one ranked player the last week. He's going to cost you a lot. If you're looking for a little bit of a fill-in there at first base, let's say maybe you had even, like, an Eric Hosmer, who uh, I've moved on from in a lot of leagues. I saw he was, like, a minimum salary kind of DFS guy the other night. Uh, he's still fine, Hosmer, but if I'm looking at the upside there, I'm going to go and I'm going to switch him out for Luke Voigt. Same position. You might as well. Same team. You might as well, I think. Anyway, with that, with the power, it's uh, Hosmer is going to be a better for batting average, probably anyway, and Voigt is going to be almost guaranteed to hit more home runs. So I'm going to lean Voigt there, and I think that he should be added in a lot of leagues where he's still available. I gave up on him, and I dropped him a lot in around May, but I don't think that he should necessarily be someone who's on waiver wires. In the shallow shallow leagues, if you're in like an eight-team league, I don't have any problem with it. But if you are in like a 12-team league and deeper, I think that there's a, there's a spot for him on the rosters. There should be a spot for him on your rosters anyway. Uh, let's move on to talk about Michael Harris II, who is 21 years old, just to remind you guys. He has come up in his 63 at-bats. And he's batted 317. He has two home runs and two steals, and he's actually homered in consecutive games. So yesterday he was three for five. He did hit the home run. He drove in a couple. He's been fantastic over the last week. He is the number sixth ranked category player on the backing of those two homers and two steals. He's 11 for 26 and has scored seven runs in that time frame. I really like him. I don't think he's going to keep it up like this the whole season. Uh, but he, there's a good chance I think they move him up the batting order if he if he does keep it up. The only problem in that Atlanta lineup, and it's a good problem to have, is that the, the number of great hitters that are there, uh, you're just likely probably not going to see him bat very high unless they do make a move to like put him in the leadoff spot. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but that would definitely be a huge boost to his fantasy value. Uh, with uh, Ozzie Albies out yesterday, the lineup looked like Acuna, Swanson, Riley, Olsen, Darno, Ozuna, Duvall, 
Arcia, and then Harris. They're a very stacked lineup. I think he could be batting uh, in the eighth spot ahead of Arcia there, maybe. It's, it's, at that point, it's not really much of a difference, I don't think. Uh, maybe you move down Travis Darno. I don't know. It's hard to say, really, but that's the thing. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard for him to move up in that lineup just because of the names there. He's not going to replace Acuna. Obviously, Dansby Swanson has been unconscious this season so far, so he's not getting one of those top two spots. It's hard to say really what they're going to do with him. If he's just in the nine hole, I think he's a valuable player while he is performing to this level, but I I don't know that he's going to keep this up forever. So is he worth an ad for now? Is he worth streaming in while he is performing like this? Yeah, but at the same time, I would keep expectations relatively low for a rookie who is batting ninth. Uh, I think that's I think that's fairly reasonable of me. I wouldn't want to say, yeah, he's an absolute go ahead and grab him. And then, you know, there are there are struggles. Rookies t- do struggle. It does happen to pretty much all of them. There is the odd the odd one that doesn't struggle. Like Alec Manoa came up and was pretty much dominant right away. We've seen it with Julio Rodriguez. He's pretty much been <clears throat> amazing right out of the gate. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. struggled for a couple weeks, but we've seen him turn it around as well. Typically, though, you're seeing a lot of struggles when a guy first comes up. So we haven't really seen that so much with him. But I just think based on all the factors there, for the most part, I'm going to be okay taking a pass and going for a little bit more of a sure thing. Like next year, year after, I think that he's going to be a crazy valuable fantasy player. For this year, I'm a little bit skeptical that we're going to see that we're going to see him be a rosterable player throughout the rest of the year. Let's talk about Tony Gon, Tony Gonsolin. So he went six and a third, scoreless innings, allowing just one hit, striking out six. Uh, he's he's in the top ten for value for the entire season. He's the tenth ranked fantasy player. He's number one over the last two weeks. Uh, every time out there, he goes and gives you like a brilliant start, and it literally like a brilliant start every time out. Pretty much, it's always at least five or six innings, zero or one earned runs. Uh, again, there's not really a fantasy move to be made here because it's just, I just kind of wanted to marvel at him for a second. Now, the expected stats are a little bit higher than what we've seen. Now, his ERA is 1.42. His expected fielding independent pitching, ex-FIP, is 3.68. That's a big difference there. Would lead you to believe he's getting a little bit lucky to this point in the season, and he is leaving 88% of batters on base. But he is someone who has, for his for his tenure in the major leagues, always been above average for left on base percentage. He's typically around 82%. So 88 is high for most people, very high, but it's not as high for him as it would be for others. Uh, the BABIP he's allowing is only 182, which again, very low. There is some room for uh, regression there. So I wouldn't be opposed to exploring a deal for him. He's definitely overperforming. He's, I mean, he's not going to be a first round player all season. And he has those eight wins on the back of the, ridiculous lineup that he has as well. I mean, if he had performed like this, but he pitched for another team, he wouldn't, like if he was playing for Oakland or something like that, you wouldn't even really care about him. He'd be in that kind of Frankie Montes kind of uh, purgatory, wherever, whatever you want to call it, whatever, what he's doing right now in Oakland. Um, performing well, but no one really cares about him, right? So I think a lot of the value here comes from the fact that he plays for the Dodgers. Uh, I think that that's boosting who he is. Obviously, he's not going to get traded, but I think that there is a bit of room throughout the season for him to get a little bit worse and worse. So not that I'm going to be trying to get rid of him, but I think that it wouldn't hurt to explore a deal here. 
Uh, I'm going to just talk a little bit about some of the called strikes plus whiffs leaders from yesterday. And not just the leaders, but just some interesting numbers. So the lowest number of the day was Trevor Rogers at 18.1 called strikes plus whiffs, 18.1%. Uh, he also walked six batters. You need to be moving on from him if you haven't already. He's someone who needs to be dropped. Uh, Joe Ryan came back, and it was 23% CSW. He gets a bit of a pass because he's been out for three weeks, but I think we do need to kind of take a moment and think about the hype that we were giving him at the beginning of the fantasy season. I think we maybe went a little bit too far there. So, uh, I don't know. I know he was great, but I think that we kind of were like, oh, my God, Joe Ryan, Cy Young. But it's like even, even I was saying it, but I think we may have gone a little bit too far there. Granted, he did just have COVID. He missed three weeks. We need to give him some time to get back. But even before he was gone, uh, he was worrying me a little bit. So I still like him. I still think he's going to be very solid. But I think we were uh, over – our expectations were a little bit too high there with like a sub-2 ERA kind of kind of stuff there. Uh, let's move on to Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta, 30% yesterday. It's the best CSW he's had since his complete game against Houston, which was maybe three or so weeks ago. Uh, he's played his way into must-roster territory, Nick Pavetta, and it feels very weird because I haven't believed him. I still don't really believe it. Uh, it. We've seen him over the last few years not be anywhere near this good, and now he is looking like an elite pitcher these last, I don't know, what has it been now, guys? A month or so, he's looked fantastic. Over the last month, he has five victories. He's the 14th-ranked fantasy player. Uh, it's insanity. It's total insanity. I wouldn't have thought it would go on for this long, but it has. So I think that he needs to be added while where he is still available. I think he's must-roster at this point. It feels bonkers to be saying that Nick Pavetta is a must-roster player. But at this point in the season, with the way he's performed, I think he is a must-roster guy. Uh, Kyle Hendricks said 34.6 CSW. He is best mark since opening day. He's past his prime, but he can still be streamed for good matchups. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of them, but when he does get uh, a shitty team whether it be a Pittsburgh or an Arizona or a Cincinnati, if it's in Chicago, uh, teams like that, I would be pretty okay with streaming. Uh, but for the most part, like he does not need to be on your rosters. Uh, Jose Urquidy, 34.5%. This was a decent outing from him, but he's another guy who is more of a streamer for me. He's not someone who I think needs to be taking up a spot on your rosters outside of deeper formats. Tyler Molly. He's turned it around big time. We talked about him already. I'm looking to acquire him pretty much wherever I can. Let's talk now a little bit about today's matchups. And there are a couple of pitching matchups that I am going to be really interested in. Now, the first one is going to be Luis Castillo and Zach Gallen. This one should be a lot of fun. It's uh, 3.40 p.m. Eastern time, so it'll be 12.40 Pacific for you guys on the West Coast. I would recommend tuning in. Castillo is someone who, you know, every game now towards the pitching or the pitching, every game now towards the trade deadline is kind of like a little audition for new teams. It's kind of a shame because he didn't have really much of a tenure here with, uh, with Cincy. And I, I mean, maybe it's not over, but I feel like we're winding down here. He's auditioning. He is auditioning. He gets a good matchup here against Arizona. I'm looking for Castillo to bring his best stuff because I'm sure he'd like to get the hell out of Cincinnati if he could as well. He's going to try and perform as best he can to try and, Make sure the teams want to trade for him, I think. Zach Gallen, another guy that I'm huge on. I love Zach Gallen. He's coming off of a tough outing against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. He gave up four home run, or sorry, two home runs, four earned runs over an inning and two-thirds. Only two strikeouts, too, for Zach Gallen, which was really, really not good. Here, he gets a much better matchup in a much better ballpark. I think this is going to be a great game. I'm going to be keeping my eyes 
firmly on the screen there. The second game I'm going to be keeping them firmly planted on is Shane McClanahan and Nestor Cortez. This one should be a ton of fun. I don't need to tell you guys why this one will be fun. I think we're all, you're listening to this because you're a fantasy baseball fan or you're a baseball fan. I think we are all looking forward to Nasty Nestor versus Shane McClanahan tonight. I'm really, really just waiting on Nestor Cortez to get destroyed, and I know the Yankee fans are probably not going to be very happy hearing that. And he didn't have a great outing against Minnesota last time. He gave up four earned runs. I just, I don't know. I've been calling him a sell high for so long. It feels like he's got to be getting hurt uh, eventually here. But he's kept this up much longer than I thought he would. 14, or sorry, 11 starts. I don't know where I got 14 from. 11 starts, and only one of them has been bad. So I'm pretty confident still, but... Every game that he keeps doing it is just a little bit that much more incredible to me. Uh, Shane McClanahan, not much needs to be said about Shane McClanahan. I do think he is a touch overperforming. I don't think that he is the best pitcher in baseball. I think we've seen like the absolute best version of him. And I did say this last week, and I'm probably caught a bit of flack for it between you guys talking and whoever else. But I think that if you can trade Shane McClanahan for a Trey Turner, a Soto, a Jose Ramirez, or maybe not Soto now. We'll see what happens with this injury thing. And maybe he wouldn't be the best target anyway. But if you can trade McClanahan for, like, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, I would do it. I would do it, and maybe you guys will disagree. But that is where I stand on it. I think that he is overperforming a touch. We've seen guys like Vladdy and Bo kind of underperform, although they've started to definitely figure it out recently. I, I Not that I'm saying you need to make this trade, you need to get rid of McClanahan, but I think... I think there's still some value that you can gain out of him there. He's been the number one pitcher in fantasy and the number one pitcher in baseball. I don't think that he is actually that good. I think he's like a top five or top seven pitcher in baseball probably. But number one, I don't think so. I think you can write your own ticket with him if you were to try and trade him. Guys, before we let you go, we'll take a look at the waiver wire. We'll take a look at some of the more added and dropped players today. And Kendall Graveman is leading the way. He has been added in a lot of leagues, thousands of leagues. Uh, what is it? 6,500 6, leagues have added Kendall Graveman just today. So he's someone who is going to be filling in for Liam Hendricks while he's on the shelf and should be able to get you a couple of saves in the short term. So no problem there. Spencer Strider has also been added quite a bit, and he should be added wherever he's available he gets the Nationals in Washington. Massive strikeouts. He's crazy. Juan Soto might not be in the lineup. He needs to be added. Uh, Spencer Strider needs to be added. Uh, Michael Harris, we already talked about him. Uh, David Peterson gets the uh, Milwaukee Brewers tonight, who have not been able to score runs recently. They've been shut out like three or four times this month. So I think David Peterson is a solid enough streaming option for tonight. John Birdie has been unreal with the stolen bases 10 over the last month including eight over the last two weeks he's also 14 for 48 in that time with nine runs and six rbis i think that he is a good ad if you need steals he's also eligible at second third and in the outfield so he can be someone you can plug in anywhere uh he's someone i think should be added in, in a lot of cases here uh christian betancourt the former catcher now playing a lot of first base He's someone who is going to have catcher eligibility, so I would jump on him while you can. He's stealing bases. He's hitting home runs. He's performing at a high rate. He is the 16th-ranked player over the last week. Is he going to keep that up? I doubt it, but he's 10 for 22 with three home runs in that span. You ride the hot hand, then he is a decent hand to be riding. The more dropped players, number one, Zach Eflin. I don't believe it. I don't want it to happen because I picked him up in a lot of places. He had an okay start last night. He started off kind of rough, gave up four early runs, but... He did pitch into the sixth inning. Or sorry, he pitched six innings. Now, they've talked about uh, the sore knee that he's got today. 
Still scheduled to start for Sunday. I wouldn't have dropped him just yet. He gets the Nationals in that one, and I like him in that opportunity. It's a two-start week. I picked him up for the two starts in a couple of cases, and I'm going to follow through with it. We'll get the second outing out of him, hopefully. Uh, but the first outing here, six innings, uh, four strikeouts. It's not great. He kept the whip down. The ERA was kind of shit, though, but it's the way it happens, guys. Uh, it doesn't always work out. It worked out okay, but uh, considering there's another start coming up, I'm, I'm all right with uh, with holding on if you already add it. I wouldn't necessarily go and use an ad now, but if you already picked him up, I wouldn't be dropping him. Uh, let's see. Yusei Kikuchi's also been dropped in quite a lot of leagues. He is not someone who I – I mean, I made a bold prediction earlier in the year. He had a couple of good starts. I said, you know what, Yusei Kikuchi, he's going to be this year's Robbie Ray. I think Pete Walker will work on him throughout the year. We'll see him settle down, and I think he'll be a Cy Young candidate by the end of it. And holy shit, he has not been a Cy Young candidate. He has been brutal. He is someone that you can move on from. I do not have a problem with that. Trevor Rogers, we already talked about it. You can get him the hell off your roster. 587 ERA. He walks every batter possible. 164 whip. Brutal strikeout numbers. Uh, bad team, so no. Every, every possible box is checked in the drop column for me. Uh, he is done so uh christopher morell has been dropped by quite a lot of people as well i would be holding on just because again uh kind of like birdie he's got that positional eligibility he can play second third and in the outfield steals bases he's had a rough week or so but i like morell i don't think we should be moving on from him just yet guys that is going to do it for us i want to really say thank you for all you who have tuned in and followed on twitter uh, i've seen a really a great outpouring of support over these last couple of months and I don't think I've said thank you enough. That is the Canadian in me coming out. It does happen. We do say thank you quite a bit. So thank you guys, all of you, for following, for downloading, for subscribing. If you haven't already done those wonderful things, please do it today. Hit the five-star or even the four-star. We'll take a four-star, guys. Just leave a review. Let me know you guys are listening. Also, hit the follow button on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to these shows, articles, threads that I post, other fantasy stuff that I share. It is my fantasy baseball resource hub on Twitter of all of my stuff. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. Also, uh, I should mention uh, the Sports Ethos Discord is going to be opening up again uh, in the next couple of months on the free side. I think it might be next month. Uh, for those of you who follow Dan Bespris on Twitter, he tweeted last night that there will be a free part to the Discord. We will be getting a baseball side going there. So maybe we'll move some of these Twitter conversations that we have over into the Discord, make it more of a community discussion. But I just wanted to, you know, see what the, the interest level is there. You guys can shoot me a message if you're trying to get into that Discord. I will send you the link. It's not really much going on right now in terms of baseball. But over the next month, we are starting to get into uh, more of a baseball side here, for sure, expanding on our baseball division. So, guys, we will see you tomorrow. We will be at you around the same time midday, and we will talk some fantasy baseball, obviously. Guys, hope you have a great one. Cheers. <laughs>